Exactly. And it's kind of looking back at your why. Why did I even start this to begin with? Why do I have this business? What is my goal? Why did I create this? Because typically, especially with startups and small businesses, there's always a reason behind why you did it. Um, you know, my love for science makes me want to work with health and wellness clients because I want to educate, you know, consumers on what is out there. I want to make sure they're living their best lives. Um, so there's always a why to why you want to work with something or why you want to do something. Hi, I'm Caitlin Pyatt, owner of Authentic Branding and Marketing, where I work with female entrepreneurs to brand, market, and grow their small businesses. I'm your host for this podcast, Startup Marketing. I'm a mom of three and entrepreneur, so if you ever hear little kids in the background, it's just my life, trying to make this all work while I build a business. I worked as a corporate marketer for over 12 years, where I focused on marketing and branding strategy, along with marketing management. Often, I heard small business owners say they weren't doing any marketing because they couldn't afford to outsource it to an agency and they didn't know how to do it themselves. When I started my business, I knew I could take my expertise and my experience to help women thrive by teaching them how to create strategic marketing plans they could feel confident about and show them the tools to make managing their marketing easy and efficient. So if you're an entrepreneur out there who's Googling how to brand and market your business, you've come to the right place. The goal of Startup Marketing is to make all of my marketing knowledge accessible and actionable so you can take it and level up your business. I'm a huge marketing nerd and I'm passionate about sharing everything I know with you. This podcast is genuinely one of my favorite things to create. So get ready to learn about all things marketing. Hey, Startup Marketing listeners. Today's conversation is going to touch on a topic that I think a lot of entrepreneurs are intimidated by. PR or public relations. PR is part of an effective, well-rounded marketing strategy, but even I'll admit that it's not something I focused a great deal on, which is why today's guest is probably going to teach you, and quite frankly, me, a lot. Lynette Pedanici is the owner and powerhouse behind the boutique public relations and digital marketing firm Mint & Honey Co., In her 10 years of experience in the consumer lifestyle industry, she has executed PR and digital marketing strategies for global, national, regional, and local clients, including countless product and service launches and an abundance of collaborations and partnerships. A forward thinker who uses her creativity to deliver quality campaigns, even when there's limited resources and budget, Lynette is not afraid to take risks or go against the grain to ensure success for clients. With science and fitness at the core of her personal and professional brand, being immersed in the health, wellness, food and beverage, and fitness industries allows her to leverage her knowledge to help clients gain the most awareness, visibility, and ROI growing varying aspects of their businesses. Mint and Honey Co. is a full-service public relations and digital marketing agency that focuses on creating fresh, new strategies for startups and small businesses that produce results that stick have staying power, and continue to pay off over time. So let's dive right in and learn about some PR together. Hi, Lynette, and welcome to Startup Marketing. I'm excited to have you here today. I am excited to be here. I'm really excited um, to chat all about PR and marketing. Yes, me too. So tell us a little bit about your background and what it is you do. Sure. So I am the founder of Mint and Honey Co., which is a full-service PR and digital marketing firm um, specializing in startups and small businesses in the health, wellness, and food industries. 
Um, I have a degree in PR and advertising, so I am doing what I went to school to do. Um, and I worked my way up through varying firms, eventually going into this little niche. Um, I have a really strong love for science, which is how I ended up in this health and wellness industry. Um, my very first job, I worked on a multitude of clients, so I've gotten my hands on it everything. Um, and then throughout the years, I also got my nutrition certification and a Pilates certification. So I'm really well-rounded in that industry. I'm literally in it. And when I was younger, I had always known that I wanted to own something. But as a teenager, I didn't know what that was. And eventually, it came to be a PR and digital marketing firm. So I founded Lynette Nicole PR about four and a half years ago. And I recently rebranded in January of this year to Minton Honey. Co. Um, so it really encompasses everything that we do. PR isn't just media relations anymore. Um, it's just so much more than that. And I wanted to make sure that we weren't getting pigeonholed into a very, very small portion of a communication strategy, when in reality, communications and marketing is more than just PR, just earned media. Totally. So for listeners who don't know, what is PR and how, well, let's start with what is PR? So PR is a communications tactic that works to increase awareness, visibility, and credibility. Um, it's utilized to publicize a service, personality, or product, either consumers or other businesses that so you have um, direct to consumer, direct to business, whatever that might be. Um, and then it's a third party recognition, the third party recognition provides an alternative perspective from what you're talking about, about yourself. So it's really helping put you out there into the public and having someone else say, hopefully great things about you. Yes. So a lot of times it's referred to as like earned media. So if you are, yes. if you're a listener, uh, oh, Sorry, my cat is very secure in his spot in this household, and so he doesn't run from our puppy at all. Uh, <laughs> so if, if you're listening, like a lot of times you might hear earned media, and that's really, correct me if I'm wrong, like that's getting a local news station that runs a story about you or having somebody contact you for an interview. It's not, it's not press or publicity that you're paying for. It's something that you earn through a variety of ways. It's usually you work to earn that press, but sometimes it can come to you. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. We say it's earned media because we are, you're not paying for, you're not paying for someone to say you're great. Um, I always say that, you know, your PR is a great marketing tactic because your earned media, your placements that someone else um, is recognizing fits into your other strategies. So your social media, your marketing and advertising where you're saying, wow, this is really great. This is how amazing we are. We do this, we do that. You know, you're really building yourself up, which is great. And you can use those placements on top of that. Say, yes, we're great. But also, hey, while we're saying we could do all these things and we're great, here's what someone else said about us. So how, how do small businesses use public relations? So public relations 
any anyone, every brand needs it. Um, and anyone can have it. It's just kind of the way you go up. So normally in terms of a small business, if you're just starting out, you might start smaller. So you might go local, you might go regional, um, newspapers, local bloggers, um, your local magazines. So everyone needs PR and everyone can use PR, but the targeting is different. It's where does your brand belong? Um, maybe your brand isn't a good fit for a national publication. Maybe you're a small service in a small town. So maybe you stay local and go maybe a little bit more regionally. Maybe it's 20 miles out. That, okay, that makes sense. So then if I am a small business, in order to kind of earn some of this media or get this attention, um, whether it's from local or regional or something like that, what do I need to do to put myself in a position to start earning this recognition? So first you would really go into your key messages. So you go internally, look at your brand. So what makes you different? What problems are you solving? Why is your product, service, or knowledge valuable for consumers or another business? What do you have to offer? What do you have to offer that your competitors don't have to offer? From there, you're going to want to look at what publications are writing about what I, what my service is, what my product is, because those are the publications that are going to reach the audience who will utilize your services or product. From there, inside of that publication, you're going to see a lot of different writers. Well, who's consistently writing about the product or service that I offer? So you're really just bringing it down to a very, very niche. So you've got your publication, now you're going after the writer, and now you need to craft the pitch utilizing those key messages. So the why, what value am I bringing? What makes me different? And create a pitch to the editor, say, this is what I am, this is who we are, this is why we're valuable, this is what we have to offer, this is why this is timely, this is why this is news. And crafting that pitch, you'll send it to the editor and then they'll decide, oh, wow, this is really interesting, this is great. So they might respond, they might not respond, you may need to follow up. And then you'll do the same to other publications. So it's really targeting who you need to reach out to and crafting a compelling email to get their attention. Um, other ways to get their attention are local events, um, different collaborations, uh, reaching influencers, even word of mouth. So, you know, if you launch something and someone really loves it and it happens to get back to your local newspaper, they may end up reaching out to you. Right. So I'm thinking through this because as you are talking about, like, here's how you do all of these things, you know, you create this compelling um, story that hopefully attracts some interest from whoever it is, whatever publication or news outlet you're targeting, you're talking about events. And I'm thinking back to like my time in a corporate environment where we had someone who was responsible for public relations. So anytime there was a noteworthy, a noteworthy executive joined our team, or um, we were hosting an event of, of any kind, 
we typically had somebody who was drafting a press release and sending it out to those news stations, to the publications that reached the, the target audience that we were thinking about, right? So I guess I'm gonna have two questions here. One is like a press release in today's digital age, is that like still a thing that people craft? Is that what you're talking about when you talk about creating a compelling um, message to attract that attention? That's one question. And then the second is the strategy of kind of Say I do have a press release, if I create a template and I'm consistently sending it out anytime I do something noteworthy, is that a valuable or viable marketing strategy for a small business? So press releases, that's one of my favorite topics. Um, <laughs> the press release is not dead, but it has a place in time and it holds value um, in certain ways. It's always great if you're doing a new launch or have a new executive to have something drafted. I think there's value in putting it over the wire in terms of SEO. For pitching purposes, um, the compelling email will be a personalized pitch. It's gonna be short, sweet, around 200 to 250 words and, and, email, and a subject line that really makes you better or want to open it. Um, Especially with a new launch, it's important to have a press release because if they ask for more information, the press release is generally hard news, hard facts, um, and it's like an inverted triangle. So anything that's kind of fluff and just fun will go at the bottom, but the really important stuff will go on top. So that's something you can send to an editor if they say, hey, this is really exciting. Can we have more information? And your press release will have everything about that launch in there, any ingredients, pricing, where it's available, why you're launching it, what makes it different. And it's all gonna be hard facts in there. Um, so I do think there is a place for it. Um, editors still ask for them. I don't think it's as prominent as it was. Um, right. When pitching stories and news, I think having that personalized pitch is better. It's shorter, it's sweeter, it's to the point, and it gives that overview of what you wanna talk about. Right, okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I was thinking, I had somebody suggest recently, like, hey, you should try doing some like PR and pitching yourself to some some of our local like um, business publications as I'm kind of shifting gears to a slightly different audience. And I was like, yeah, you know, like, you're right, I probably should. And so our conversation is actually very timely. And as I was listening to you, talk, I'm like, okay, I wonder, is the press release dead? Like, am I so, because I haven't sent one, I haven't had to send one in years. Um, so, but mostly because I had somebody else in my, in the corporate world that handled those things specifically. Um, so I think sometimes public relations and like, we're talking about press releases and pitching editors and things like that. It sounds really intimidating if you are not somebody who's ever had to do something like that before. Um, so I, like, agree. I don't, I don't get scared about writing a press release because um, I understand like how to put one together. I've done them before. I've had success with them. So I'm just like, okay, it's just a thing that needs to get done. But if I'm somebody who's like, holy moly, this sounds terrifying. Are there, do you have any like tips or tricks for those people to like 
kind of break it down and seem more accessible? I think the intimidation factor comes in if you're not a big or strong writer, um, because PR is just a lot of writing. And a funny story, when I was in college, I had changed my major four times before I landed on PR and advertising. And the first three majors were science and music. And I remember walking into the, um, the advisor's office and I was asking what a magazine editor did. So I was just looking through, like, what could I possibly do next? And she told me it was a lot of writing. And I looked at her and said, I don't enjoy writing. So it's very ironic <laughs> that I am in PR right now. Um, now I do. I enjoy writing a lot and I'm good at it. Um, but I think that's part of the intimidation factor is you do need to know how to write. Um, when you are putting together a press release, write down the important stuff first. Um, it kind of, you're going back to basics, who, what, where, when, how, and why. Yeah. And that's going to go in there. So basically all your very important information is going to go in that very first paragraph. So if there's any important dates, a launch date, the name of the product, that simple sentence on what it is can all go right there. Yep. And then continue on from that. Get into the more, the meatier part of it. What, why is this important? What are the ingredients? You can use bullet points, um, include a quote. So sometimes if you do end up sending a press release out, editors can copy paste a quote from you. Um, and then always make sure pricing, and where anyone can purchase or find your services um, will always be really important. And make sure you have contact information on there in case anyone wants to contact you and ask follow-up questions. Yes. I um, don't forget that I'm, I'm chuckling because it seems, it seems like very obvious, but it's something that like I would a hundred percent forget to like put my contact information in there and I'd be like, well, shoot. Um, and then you just never know, like, did nobody reach out to me because I didn't have my contact info on there? Uh, exactly. One of the other, one of the other things I think is maybe a misconception of public relations, especially for a small business owner is that you, you have to have a lot of connections in order to be successful. So if I am not somebody who is well-connected and doesn't know, like, all the TV station producers or like the hot writers for any number of publications that like this can't be a successful strategy for me is that I don't think that's true but I'm sure it certainly doesn't hurt but is that something that is a barrier for a small business or somebody who's kind of new to this I don't think so. Um, obviously, it can't hurt to build your relationships. I work with editors and producers that I have worked with for over 10 years now. But if you have a compelling story and you're a good writer and you can get it into the right hands and they're interested, that's what's going to do it. So it's really about the writing. It's about the story that you're telling. So when you are crafting those pitches, you don't want it to be like, I am the best. You need to feature me. I am the end all be all. That's not going to get you a feature. It's not going to get you a mention. It's not going to get you on air. But if you say, hey, this is who I am. This is what we do. This is the problem that we're solving. And this is why it's timely and why your readers or viewers are going to find this information that I have to share valuable. You're going to have a, an easier or I don't want to say easier PR is not easy, but a better time 
crafting those relationships and getting those features. So even if the editor can't use it right now, if she's very interested, if they're very interested, they may write back and say, hey, wow, this is interesting. I really appreciate you letting me know about this. I don't have a spot for it right now, but I'm going to keep it in mind for future things that I'm working on. And you can say, thank you, I really appreciate it. And during that time, if you know you have some news coming up or something else happens or there's a new angle or you can fit into something that's in the news cycle, you can feel free to reach out and say, hey, I hope you're doing well. You know, I wanted to let you know that this XYZ fits into this XYZ, which I know has been a really popular conversation. If you're planning anything surrounding this, I would love to share my expertise or I think that my product can do XYZ for this. Yeah, I, I think that's really great advice because again, this doesn't have to necessarily be something that's really intimidating. I think it comes down to really understanding the story that you want to tell. So yes, there's some like finesse and structure that comes in to how you actually put together your pitch. And there's some very like tactical golden nuggets here in terms of like the length and how you structure it and everything. But I think one of the things that I've heard you say like a few times now in, in kind of different ways, it really comes down to that story. And so I think when, I think for any small business, this you, you want to have a, your story as part of your brand so that you can really understand and craft those compelling emails and things like that to whoever it is you're reaching out to. Because if I can, if I can infuse my story and my passion into that pitch and then make it really timely, like you were saying, and, you know, tether it to something that's happening right now that would make it very newsworthy and relevant. I think that's where um, kind of the art of PR comes in is knowing how to like connect your story to what's happening around you um, or what's happening within that publication that would make you somebody that's interesting and compelling to reach out to. Exactly. And it's kind of looking back at your why. Why did I even start this to begin with? Mm -hmm. Why do I have this business? What is my goal? Why did I create this? Because typically, especially with startups and small businesses, there's always a reason behind why you did it. Um, you know, my love for science makes me want to work with health and wellness clients because I want to educate, you know, consumers on what is out there. I want to make sure they're living their best lives. Um, so there's always a why to why you want to work with something or why you want to do something. And I think it's important to infuse that in your key messaging because then it's really, it's personalizing it. It's making it yours. And when you make it yours, you have more passion about talking about it because if you, if you don't believe in what you're saying, the people you're talking to aren't going to believe in what you're saying. Absolutely. It's, it's really, um, that story and that is where your passion and everything comes through. And I think that's why it's so important, like as a small business to have that brand, your position and those key messages. These are all things that 
um, you know, listeners hear me talk about all the time on a regular basis. And it's truly because they really do set the foundation for everything else. So if you are listening and you're thinking like, Hey, public relations, like this is something that like I could capitalize on. I'm very interested in doing having that, those key messages and that brand position in place has set you up for success. It's not that you, obviously you could still do it without those things, but you're kind of going to have to create the wheel as you get ready to pitch it. So. Yeah. And as your business grows, your messaging can continue to evolve. And sometimes you might actually have to pivot after you launch something or as you start growing. Um, I have two examples in that case. So I worked with um, a sleep client and then I was actually introduced to a new um, beauty client this weekend while I was shopping at Target and I happened to Google them. Um, they're currently called Three Ships. Um, and both of those brands, when I worked with them, when I just know because I went shopping, um, both have had to pivot their, their messaging. So Three Ships, I was reading earlier, they were formerly, I think it's called New, new Body. Um, but and they were trying to target, you know, Gen Z, and then all of a sudden, their audience ended up being much older. So they ended up just pivoting the entire business and messaging to accommodate who was purchasing their products, even though when they had originally started, they were targeting a whole different audience. Whereas my other past client, they also had the same thing, but they continued to target what the audience that they wanted versus who was actually utilizing their product. Um, but either way, pivoting will also be key as you grow, as you start seeing who is attracted to you and kind of looking at that analysis. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's something I actually was just talking to someone recently um, about making sure that you're kind of keeping track of and you're looking at all of that information so you're not missing mm -hmm. those key indicators, you know, who is somebody different than what I expected purchasing my product? Um, is my messaging relevant to them? Does it make sense? Is it attracting the people that I think it's going to? Um, because those are all really important components of making sure that you are speaking to the right people and you're doing the right kind of outreach. Um, because obviously like in the, in the case of PR, if I think I'm targeting Gen Z, but really I've got people who are maybe um, Gen X, for example, so that'd be like two generations older, and they're the ones who are purchasing my products. They're going to have very different media preferences and channels that they consume mm -hmm. information in Absolutely. than a Gen Z or might. You know, TikTok might not be exactly, and <laughs> exactly, and you have to decide where are you going to pivot to accommodate the audience that is purchasing your product and really exciting about it and giving you that ROI? Or do you really want that original target audience? And are you going to continue that, but with the possibility of alienating your other audience that's actually purchasing the product? Right, right. Critical, <laughs> critical decisions. Um, yes. <laughs> And I, I am chuckling a little bit because I, um, I started out thinking like, Hey, I am, I am going to target female entrepreneurs are just starting their businesses. Um, and like startups who are in the really early stages, because I really believe in like a, creating a strong brand position and getting really solid marketing strategies in place, like out of the gate so that, you know, and you can prove 
your, the value and the ROI of your marketing spend. Um, but the clients I was attracting were all like smaller corporate marketing teams or teams of like one or people who do marketing, but, um, you know, don't necessarily have a background in it. And I had to make the decision, like, am I going to continue to like go after this one, you know, my original target audience, or am I going to shift and make the change, um, and, and work with these, these clients over here and how does that change things? So Sometimes it just, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's an evolution, I think, as a small business owner too, you learn those things. I don't know. Um, maybe there are people who like start out and stay in their, their one niche that they originally envisioned. But I think over time, over the first few years, you iterate quite a bit in your business. So it's kind of a natural evolution. <laughs> I know. I agree. And that's how we ended up being Mink and Honeyco. Um, you know, when I had Lynette Nicole PR, we, I felt like we were very pigeonholed into that public relations only earned media um, position and people didn't know what else we had to offer. They didn't know that we did social content creation, events, influencers, live outreach, newsletters, um, you know, the whole nine yards were full service agency for them, but it wasn't coming through with the name Lynette Nicole PR. Um, so we did Mint and Honeyco. So now we've got, you know, fresh, modern approaches, results that stick. We have staying power, continue to pay off over time. Yeah. And it really encompasses our capabilities now. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of your rebrand, by the way. I think you're new. Thank um, you. I, I just, I love the new the aesthetic and the story behind it. And I think the name, you know, as you're just kind of describing it, um, I think the name is just a really brilliant, a brilliant name. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, before we move away from PR, because I do want to hit on some of the other um, things within your portfolio, but if I'm listening and I think, okay, I'm interested in trying this out. I think it could be a really viable marketing strategy for me but I can't afford to hire somebody to do public relations for me. Is there a DIY method to PR? How can I do it economically? Where do I start? So I think, so you're gonna start kind of where we started at the beginning, create your brand messaging, make sure you have your story, your, your why, what makes you different. From there, find those local publications, find those local editors or bloggers or influencers that cover what you do and create that short little pitch. I think the biggest thing to remember, especially when you're doing your own PR, it's not even about um, the pitching, the press releases, um, any of that. It's really remembering that PR is a long-term strategy. Consistency is important. Patience is important. And you have got, have got to be okay with hearing the word no. Yeah. So chances are you're not going to see immediate results, but consistently doing outreach, consistently refining your messaging, your story, um, making sure you're following up, that's going to pay off in the long run. Yes. So I think those are, that's very important to recognize when you are doing your own PR, because oftentimes clients don't see the process. Yep. They see the end result. They see the pretty story that comes out in the end. But there was so much that went into getting that one quote. 
um, yeah. and seeing it come to fruition. And, you know, sometimes you'll have an editor who will reach back out to you a year later. Mm -hmm. So patience and consistency are important and being able to hear the word no and not have a panic attack or, you know, go off on the editor because they said no, those are going to be really important things. Right. Totally. And, and I think that's, I'm glad you kind of made that point because I, I say that a lot to my clients, like marketing in general, any marketing strategy that you choose really is a long game. Like there are very few that get you instantaneous results. Um, and that's not always, that's not always how they are, um, marketed to you. You know, I think about social media ads a lot of times, um, folks who put social media ads together, uh, or who run ads kind of make it sound like, Hey, you can put an ad out there and like have money rolling in and people buying your product or service, like within hours, but any strategy that you do is, is generally kind of a longer term strategy. And so PR, I think is especially one that can go a long way because we talk a lot about making sure that you've got social proof and, you know, you've got your testimonials and things from clients or customers that really demonstrate the value of your product or service. And PR, like we mentioned at the beginning, is, is you know, earned, earned media, earned praise that is saying like, hey, it's not just me look at this other, this publication or this news station or whatever, who recognizes that what I'm doing is really good as well. So it's additional, it's like next level social proof, right? Of somebody else yeah. who is saying, yes, like I can validate and I can attest to this person's credibility and how awesome they or their product or service is. And so it's good to hear somebody say like, it is a long-term, it is a long-term strategy because it's not easy to just like throw these things out there. It doesn't happen as with anything in marketing. It doesn't happen overnight. Exactly. And, you know, it also works together. And we, I think we touched a little bit on the different types of things in PR, but also having, you know, native content on your website is also a form of creating publicity. Um, so having a blog, creating your own little news section where you're putting out important information, where you're educating the public, um, having a channel on Medium. That's, a, that's another way. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to create publicity nowadays, especially in the digital age. Absolutely. So I think that's a good little segue. As we talk about public relations, typically people think of newspapers and radio stations and TV, right? Like you're kind of very traditional press where you get published or picked up for some kind of story. But in the digital environment that we're in, there are so many more options, like we were just saying. And one of those, one, one of those would be influencers and having um, them speak to your products and services, which is also something that you help small businesses with um, at Mint and Honeyco. So how does, how do, how do influencers fit into public relations, first of all? And then second, how do, if I'm interested in working with an influencer, like how do I kind of get started in that area? 
Specifically, when I get started working with different influencers, especially for smaller brands, um, I mean, I have a list that I, I work off of of people that I know that I've worked with for years. But I'm also paying attention on Instagram and seeing what specific people are talking about, where they're where they're being authentic with things. So, you know, if I see an influencer who's been talking a lot about products that are in my client's realm, I pay attention a little bit more. I'll follow them, start interacting with things to see how they talk about products. Um, and from there, I will reach out to them and say, hey, I saw that, you know, you really enjoy this. I have a product that's in this realm. Would you be interested in reviewing it or trying it? And there's a variety of different ways that can go. You know, you can gift influencers, you can do paid partnerships, which are, which are pretty typical. And if you see in their hashtags, um, you'll see sponsored content or ad um, that they're required to put there. But I would look, start looking, look on social media. You can do a quick Google search as well, um, especially if you don't have access to influencer databases. And see who the influencers are in your industry. Start following with them, start interacting with them. And then eventually you can reach out and say, and introduce yourself, introduce yourself, introduce your brand, see if they're interested. Um, from there, really depending on what your partnership is with them, you know, if they like it, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll either share it, you know, on their stories or in their feed. Again, that's going to depend on the collaboration process you have with them. The paid partnership, you'll have a little bit more control over the messaging and where it will live. Um, but if you are gifting, you have a little bit less control. I always send over, you know, key messages, a press release, just so they know about it. And then they'll talk about it authentically and they'll post it where they see fit. Um, but it can really help it obviously widen your audience. And the smaller, um, I don't know if we want to talk about micro influencers quite yet, but I'm going to go into them. There's a bit smaller range in terms of followers, about 2,000 to around 18,000. So they may have a smaller audience than your, you know, well-known celebrity or that very popular influencer that you love. But that smaller following may be more niche, which means they might have more influence over your ROI than someone with maybe 3 million followers or 300,000 followers. Yes. I, um, I was going to bring up micro-influencers as, <laughs> as you were talking about it, um, because I think sometimes the the gut instinct is maybe to like discount people who don't have millions of followers but like you're saying those micro influencers have a little bit more control and and the key isn't necessarily always tons of followers it's the engagement that they have with their followers so yeah you know you you don't want to just um go with anybody and everybody, you want to make sure that it's a good fit and you want to see kind of that engagement. So as you're doing your research and you're looking for these influencers, making sure that, um, you know, there's, there's commenting and an engagement happening on their posts. It's not just crickets, I think is a really important piece. Of that yeah. Um, and, and also making sure that the content looks authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, yes, it, it can be an ad, but typically, so say if someone pays you to use your favorite brand, it's not going to look like an ad. 
you're going to be excited. You love this brand. It's going, you're going to be authentic. Mm-hmm. So when other people see that, you, that's what you, you want them to see authenticity. You don't want them to see, well, yeah, I paid this person thousands of dollars and you can blatantly see them just reading off of my ad. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really important, especially for startups and smaller businesses that are not as well known. Um, you you want to make sure that whatever program you're working off of, that's the vibe that those influencers are giving off for you. I would I would agree. I I see that a lot. The the lack of authenticity, I guess, I see quite often, especially in the like mom. I'm, it's unfair to call it like mom blogger, but that's like the original term, I think. But like in that mom influencer space, um, the kind of lifestyle moms on Instagram, I see a lot of like, oh, I got sent these, um, I got sent these press on nails by a company or I got sent, you know, this and this drink or these vitamins or whatever. And it kind of like runs the gamut. And, um, some, some of those things work really well. There are some that, you know, when they accept those, um, those gifts and agree to do the promotion, they are able to do it very authentically. And like, um, I would assume that if it doesn't fit in well, that they don't do those things. Um, for example, I have a friend, my, my son's best buddy, his mom, um, fostered and adopted him. She is, she just turned 50. Um, so she's an older mom for a first grader and she has this amazing, she does this like fashion for women over 50 and she has this amazing Instagram following. And we were talking about it over the summer and she's like, you know, I get contacted by like, uh, frozen meal companies who want me to promo because I'm in that micro influencer space. Um, she was like, but I always say no, because that doesn't really, she's like, it doesn't feel like it would come from an authentic place. But conversely, I see a lot of women in, in that lifestyle space, um, especially in the mommy lifestyle space that do accept um, kind of anything and everything. And then when they talk about it, you can tell that like, they're kind of doing it to boost their own status. And so it never really, their message never really lands with me. I'm never really convinced to go and try whatever it is they're talking about because yeah, it just doesn't read as genuine. I agree. I used to, um, I used to do some health and wellness blogging. And so I used to also get pitches. And sometimes there was something I wanted to try so badly that I got pitched, but I knew that it just, it just wasn't me. Yeah. It was something that I would need to go out and purchase if I wanted to try it. It wouldn't be fair of me to have to write something about something that just wasn't so genuinely for me, even though it looks so interesting. Yep, absolutely. And so something too, I, I kind of want to circle back before I lose this thought, as you were talking about like influencers to reach out to, because I think this is a really, an excellent strategy for especially startups, really small businesses who maybe don't have a giant budget to be able to pay somebody to do a post, but you can maybe afford to give a certain amount of product away or something like that because of the cost. Mm-hmm hits you differently than just paying out of pocket to somebody. Um, You talked about following those people and engaging with them and really 
what I heard you saying was you're building a relationship before you ever actually reach out to that person. It's not like you looked, you searched Instagram or whatever and found the influencer and just like cold DM'd them out of nowhere. Yeah. Exactly. And you're going to want to do that from your brand page. Um, so you're going to want, if you have, um, I don't know, maybe it's skincare and you see this influencer who's really into beauty, you know, start interacting from that brand page. So when it is time to reach out, she'll have already, or he will have already seen that name. And, you know, you might have already gotten them interested just from interacting. They may reach out to you again. Same with PR. They may reach out to you before you even get the chance to reach out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you're building that relationship. They're seeing your name. It's the same way, you know, when I build relationships with new editors, um, you know, I'm reaching out. I, send, I always try and follow everyone I can, on whether it's Twitter, on Instagram. And I always try and find something if I see something that I can relate to that doesn't seem weird if I stick it in an email. Like, oh right. my God, I just saw this really cute picture of your cat that you posted. I mean, who doesn't <laughs> love cats? Right. Um, um, so trying to connect with them on that level. So then, you know, you're trying to start that conversation. They're seeing your name. They see that you're paying attention um, and you're hoping to build that into a long relationship, a long partnership. Um, I did want to touch on, um, you were saying about uh, monetary budget, but there's also, aside from, you know, just providing product for you, there's a few different other ways to work with influencers. Um, you can collaborate on giveaways. Um, affiliate programs are really big. You can create a system where, I don't know, maybe your influencer has a code and they sell, you know, three things and then they'll get a whole set that they have and now you know, they can try that. Or if you have a product or anything that one would use for a long-term, long-term situation, you can have them um, kind of monitor that and show results as the time goes on. There's a few different ways to work with influencers. Oh, that's really, that I think is a really good point to make. I um, have not, I have not dived into the world of of influencers, um, quite as, quite as much. Um, so how do you, if I am going to do, or I'm interested in doing influencer marketing and I'm going to reach out. So maybe I've built that engagement. Um, I have kind of followed what you've said so far in terms of not just like cold DMing them. I feel like they're a really great fit. Like, what does that conversation look like after, kind of the initial pitch. So say I, I craft my really compelling message, they're interested, it's a good fit, um, or we're heading into a conversation to kind of like get that initial feel out. How do I, how do I go about knowing what the best structure might be? Um, or how do I have that conversation if it's not just giving them product, if it's kind of pursuing one of the other ways that you've mentioned, or... I would have an idea in your head about what you want to do before going into negotiations. You don't have a, this is the end all be all, because obviously this is going to be a negotiation. 
but have a little bit of an idea of when you're reaching out, what you want to do. Do you want to do a giveaway or do you want to do an affiliate program? Do you have a code that you want them to promote? Um, how, how will this partnership be valuable for everyone? Sure. So what are they going to get out of it? And what do I get out of it? And how is that a mutual, how can we accomplish that together while making sure we're both getting what we need? Sure. I like, I like that idea um, or the concept of like, how do we both add value? Um, I think that's a really good thing to keep in mind too, when you think about like influencer marketing is um, at least kind of from the outside looking in, having not done it, um, going in with the mindset of like, what value are they going to get out of it? I think it's really important because I would assume that if there isn't any value in it for them as an influencer, that they're not like, they're not going to be interested. And right. And whenever I work with a, a brand and an influencer, whenever, you know, I'm facilitating that, I always make sure if this is, you know, one of the influencers that I personally work with regularly, that we're going to be reposting whatever they post. I'll make sure it goes on my company's Instagram. I'll make sure it gets on the brand's Instagram, making sure that we're also promoting them and tagging back to them so they can also get that visibility. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Making it really mutually beneficial for everyone involved. Um, obviously is going to get you a lot farther. So something that I, I have seen um, and I've heard like hesitation from um, in various networking circles that I've been in when it comes to influencer marketing. I've heard horror stories of people who are like, you know, I sent this person, we agreed that they were going to do these posts. They were going to use my product XYZ. They kind of had it all mapped out and they were like, and I sent them the product and crickets like they never did anything with it they just like took my stuff um and so it's made them kind of gun shy do you have any advice for listeners if they are worried about that happening or just to kind of like make sure that um they don't get taken advantage of um if you don't have an agreement if it's not a monetary agreement or there is no contract signed it's out of it's going to be out of your hands it happens um it's not fun it's not great um but if you are just gifting product to someone there is absolutely no guarantee that they are going to post about it or that they're going to like it and if you are gifting it and they are originally very excited they're like yes we're excited to post this we can't wait and they get it and they end up not liking it and that's why they haven't posted or haven't gotten back to you, that's, it's, that's doing you a little bit more of a favor than having them completely go on Instagram stories and say, oh my God, got this product. It was absolutely terrible. Hated it. Never purchased from them. <laughs> because at the end of the day, influencers are going to influence. Um, so there is a benefit if they don't like it. However, if it is just a gift, they are not obligated to do anything with it. If there is an agreement um, in place, if there was a monetary agreement, then there are steps that um, do need to be followed. Um, there's benchmarks that are supposed to be met and you will need to continue to reach out to them. Um, and depending on what the agreement is, get a lawyer involved. 
again, that's going to depend on if this is gifting or if it's right um, under contract. Right. And that gifting really kind of, again, is coming into, I feel like that earned space where like, it's, it's, yeah. it's like a tangible version of a press release, right? Like I have sent you something, I hope you do something with it. Um, but there's not necessarily that obligation on behalf of the influencer to post about it or say something. Right. Yeah. So one to kind of put a, a neat little bow on this conversation. If someone is listening and they're going, okay, well, this is, I can do this, or I want to do this. When it comes to PR and influencer marketing, like what would be your one, um, one golden nugget piece of advice that you would leave them with to say like before or as you start, don't forget to do blank to make it successful. That is a great question. Um, I would say do not forget to have patience. That's going to probably be the biggest thing. That is what I would tell my clients. Um, patience is key, but it pays off in the end. Absolutely. I think I would, I think I would agree with that. It's, patience is a virtue, I think, in marketing strategies and in PR. Yes. And I will say, you know, we also internally, of course, we want to show you results. We want to show you fast results. We want to make sure you're seeing everything. Um, but we also know deep down that this is something that does take time. Um, so we also have patience, which is why, you know, I can get on the phone with a client and calmly explain that, yeah, we're not in fast company today, but we might be there in eight months right, because right. that's exactly what happened with one of my clients. Once, you know, I pitched them to fast company in April and our feature didn't come out until January of the next year. Um, so having patience and it will happen on um, that specific client. I, I uh, haven't worked with in quite a bit, but you know, she was finally on today.com recently. So these are long-term strategies. She wouldn't be on today.com if we hadn't laid that groundwork sure. of consistent pitching and consistent press and consistent outreach and building up her social. Um, so I think being be patient and it will pay off in the long run. Absolutely. Well, this has been, I think a really great conversation and I, I think it probably demystified the idea of public relations for a lot of people. So if someone is looking to connect with you, where do they find you? They can find me at mintandhoneyco.com. I'm on Instagram. I'm mintandhoneyco and my email is lynette at mintandhoneyco.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and all of your expertise today. It was a great conversation. Of course. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. Yes. Thank you so much. All right. Considered PR as part of your marketing strategy. I hope you took some great things away from today's conversation because I know I certainly did. So be sure to connect with Lynette through the links in the show notes. 
And if you've enjoyed today's conversation, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Startup Marketing to help other listeners like you find this podcast. Until next time.